Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Money Talk. I'm Neil Chrysell and Diane Dufer and I are your hosts every week right here on AM1290, FM96.9, and streaming at AM1290KZSB.com. We're repeated at 11 and on Saturdays at 6. We're brought to you by American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people in Santa Barbara, at Figueroa and Anacapa Streets in Amatecito's Upper Village. And Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm in Santa Barbara, providing its clients with the personal care and attention of a small independent firm, coupled with the vast resources of a major financial institution. Hi, Neil. Happy Monday. How was your Thanksgiving? Well, my Thanksgiving was not as interesting as your Thanksgiving because you were in Paris that is true. I had a very wonderful trip, saw lots of family, and it was fabulous, magnifique. <laughs> are you uh, are you fluent yet? I was when I was 19, but that was a few years ago, and I seem to have lost quite a bit of it. Yeah, I've lost a lot of bit of everything, but that's another story. So by the way, uh, do we have a guest today? We do. We are thrilled to welcome to the show Susan Shand, who's the principal at Shand Design. Thanks so much for being with us, Susan. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So the first article we have today is um, uh, entitled Users of Sites Like PayPal and Venmo c- uh, Get Tax Reprieve Again. And we, we talked about this six months ago, that um, the uh, receipts for uh, Venmo that you may get for someone paying you back for a taxi ride uh, used to have an exemption of $25,000 before you had to file a 990 form showing it as income and then having to go and find expenses to offset that income. Well, the IRS changed the rule to $600, which means that everyone who is uh, using these apps to pay for expenses are going to have to, if you receive money, uh, show an offsetting expense. Well, for the second time in a year, uh, lobbyists have convinced the IRS to delay this implementation for one more year. So there's another year left before we'll have to deal with that. Uh, But what's interesting is, you know, the, 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 the Congress keeps saying they want to close the, um, tax gap, the $7 trillion uh, tax gap, uh, 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 income gap, uh, 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 budget gap. And yet every time there's something that could actually create revenue uh, because of pressure, and in this case, I kind of understand why there is pressure, uh, they they pass. So once again, um, there's not going to be what could be an onerous uh, bureaucratic mess but it will but a good uh, raising of money it will be delayed another year it would raise that much money neil though most of the people using it are young people splitting dinners i buy dinner you pay me back you know it it just seems like an onerous amount of burden to place on people to show an offsetting expense you know i know my nieces and nephews use it daily Yeah, the problem is people that use um, that put stuff on eBay and they're doing hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of business. You know, they, you know, they're, they're the ones I think that the IRS is is after. So I, I would suspect there's going to be some compromise where I guess is they're going to raise the amount from six hundred dollars, but not that much. Um, the next article is really kind of scary. Um, it's that. Um, uh, there is millions of uh, car loans that are not being repaid, which in itself is you know sort of disturbing. But a deep dive by the Wall Street Journal um, uh, tells a different story that uh, there are companies uh, uh, and banks that are willing to lend to people just like with the uh, non-prime uh, mortgages of the 2007 uh financial crisis, they're willing to lend to people they know are going to default. And uh, what they charge, they charge anywhere from 22 to 27% on these car loans. They accept almost anybody, and then they securitize them. But the package that they securitize assumes uh, that 40 to 60% of the people will default because the uh, yield on these, uh, the face amount of the yield on these bonds are about 25%, but 
but they only promised the investors two and a half to three point two percent. So what they've created is sort of a way of creating a bond that even if you have half the people defaulting, it still will be able to pay its interest rate. And what is happening here is that people are losing not only their cars, but their homes and uh, are put in a position where they're being permitted to lend, to borrow much more than they can afford. And the reason they can do this is that um, when uh, the federal government put into effect after the 2007 crisis, the the Dodd bill, which said that banks uh, need and brokers need to be able to make sure that uh, the borrower had the wherewithal to repay the loans, car uh, lenders were able to exclude car lending from the Dodd-Frank Act. They they lobbied it and they were excluded. So they can still do what uh, mortgage lenders like Countrywide did that caused the financial crisis in 2007, which is really kind of sad. Oh, it's it's be it's predatory on people who have the least amount of wherewithal to pay it back. It it shouldn't have been removed from the Dodd Frank bill. Yep. Uh, the next article from the Wall Street Journal is: As rent rises, cool, so will inflation. And this article is is is, is interesting in that uh, the way that the federal government calculates rents. Uh, for the CPI is they take actual rents that are being paid. But because rents were raised during the pandemic and are now coming back down to a more normal level, it isn't fully reflected in the current numbers because, again, they're not using the, the, the new rents. They're using the average rent that is being paid today. So you still have a lot of old leases at the lower at the higher rent. So the article is basically saying that as the old leases run out, the renewals are going to be at a lower rate, and this is a significant part of the CPI. So uh, they, uh, the article is saying that based on the analysis, and the analysis comes from Zillow, uh, they believe that this is going to have a very important uh, effect on lowering inflation over the next uh, year to 18 months. Well, it's interesting because if you look at the charts, inflation has come down precipitously from last year. And, um, you know, the reality is, though, yes, home prices come down, but it's very rare to see prices come down on a whole. Like if you look at the grocery store, for instance, you had egg prices coming down, but they were they were inflated, not due to inflation, but rather due to a supply and demand issue. And so when you look at a inflationary environment, whether it be meats or the groceries, that's where most Americans are feeling this inflation. And I think that's why the misery index is so high. People feel like the economy is is not working for them. And so I, I think you'll have a lot of politicians trying to explain this coming into the election season next year. It, that's interesting you say that because uh, I thought I was miserable today because I woke up at 4.30, but maybe it's because <laughs> rents are so high. Anyway, the next, I have two articles uh, on ADUs, uh, which um, is something that we see here in Santa Barbara uh, proliferating. Uh, these are um, uh, auxiliary houses that you know used to be called granny houses. Well, the first uh, article talks about a new federal policy that is going to allow you to finance a ADU uh, by um, estimating the amount of income that you're going to get from the building of the ADU. So uh, before you had to show actual income, now you'll be able to estimate what your income is going to be, which they believe, uh, whoever they is, I guess, oh, this is the FHA, believes will help to stimulate uh, new uh, construction of ADUs. Um, the other article is a new law allows homeowners to sell ADUs like condos, boosting home ownership. And this is how it works. Uh, if you in California, for example, opt to uh, implement what's known as AB 1033, you will be able to, uh, believe it or not, take your house and create a condominium where your house is one unit and the ADU is another unit. And as a result of that, you'll be able to uh, 
finance that uh, second unit as a f- as a separate piece of real estate, um, and um, it's you know it's sort of a radical thing, but um, it is going to permit people to have a lot more flexibility, uh, and in fact maybe even create um, some. Uh, it's not clear, but uh, some way of 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 if separating the property for for sales purposes. So there are two things on the horizon that will, at least on the margin, uh, help you if you're interested in, in an ADU in California. That's really uh, fascinating that they're going to allow you to condoize your ADU and finance it yep. as such. Wow. You know, that really could be the solution yeah. to all of this build that's coming down from Sacramento to the individual communities. Um, there was just a community in Orange County that was sued or came after by the state because they didn't build enough units through whatever the state initiative is for new units. You know, the next thing we're going to see is if you if someone gets divorced, they'll be able to condominium to condominiumize their their house so that they can still live in the same place and they can each own their own part of the house. But yeah. that's probably you, for- we were just talking about the misery index. Yes, <laughs> I'm exactly. Sure that will add to it. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9, and we'll be right back. What defines our community? Is it the people? The businesses? Is it the ranches, vineyards, and farms? We think it's all of those, and we're committed to helping our communities thrive. Homeowners existing and new, Businesses looking to grow or bring up the next generation. Our regional agriculture managing their seasons, crops, and livestock. We're American Riviera Bank, and we invest in our communities. In you. It's a fact. Successful wealth management is built on strategies that focus on the big picture, take a long-term view, and establish deep and valued relationships. Hello, I'm Diane Duva, founding partner at Arlington Financial Advisors, Santa Barbara's trusted family guide, empowering you to make more informed and confident decisions. At Arlington Financial Advisors, we bring order and balance to your financial life by monitoring and managing risk so you can focus on your work, family, and enjoying the moment. We are a fully independent firm offering strategic financial planning, estate and tax planning, and private money management. Our plans and portfolios are handcrafted using a rigorous and disciplined approach, supported by a consistent yet highly personalized client experience. Our clients look to Arlington Financial Advisors as a home away from home, a comfortable place to protect what they've accomplished while they prepare for what comes next. Please visit ArlingtonFinancialAdvisors.com or call me, Diane Duva, at 805-699-7300. This is the place that talks about Santa Barbara. Skyview. Community Matters. Radio Real Estate. Money Talk. The Andy Caldwell Show. Teen Sports Radio. Community Alert. The Insurance Hour. Mortgage Matters. Welcome to the Voices. 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 Voices of Santa Barbara. The CEO Report. CSUCI presents About Education. The Farm to Table Hour. Around the World. The Jeremiah Show. The Art and Antiques Radio Show. Garden Gossip. Cork and Fork Radio Show. Tell me your story. It's radio with TV's Tim Stack. The Arwen Lewis Radio Show. The Angel Baby Show. You'll hear it first here at KZSB Santa Barbara. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. And we can be reached at 805-564-1290, or you could email us at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com. So we have with us today, Susan Shand, who's the principal of Shand Design. And Susan, on the break, I was just on your website, which I love looking at these pictures. They're beautiful. And if you'd like to do that while you're listening, it's shandesign.com. Beautiful, beautiful properties. So tell us how you got interested in design. Oh, it's a long story, Diana Neal, but I... um... Well, it goes way, way back. Quite honestly, I was as a child, when you get your first little dollhouse, mine was very kind of ransacked and built with wood. And um, I was actually creating little little doll furniture and putting in little my own little sewing units as far as little reupholstering the chairs and 
And um, being the kind-hearted person I was at some point, it was my one great possession. And I had a girlfriend come over one day, probably when we were maybe nine years old, and she wanted my dollhouse and she was willing to trade her little um, knock hockey set. You know those, I don't know if you, I'm probably dating myself. And so I traded, I gave her my beautiful handcrafted dollhouse for this little lousy piece of wood that had a, a little hockey thing. And my mother came home and said, what did you do? And I said, well, she wanted it. So design goes way, way back for me as far as home design, but it took a long path to get to where I am now, which I think is very common for very many entrepreneurs. Absolutely. So now you were also a marketing editor for a national fa fashion magazine, and you designed everything from the magazine fashion pages to lipstick containers. You know, how did you do that? And do you have a formal design education or are you just, you know, all all stemming back from your dollhouse days of mm -hmm. natural creativity and well, scale? <laughs> to scale. Um, so yes, I was a marketing editor of a magazine for many years in Los Angeles. I started on the East Coast, moved to the West Coast because you must go West when you live in New Jersey and and uh, ended up here right after college. I did not have a formal training in design. I'd studied marketing and advertising at Rutgers and then on to USC, but it came, came out here. And when I ended up working, I got a job working for... Um, it was a fashion magazine, but it was a young teen magazine. It was teen magazine, actually. And um, at the time, Peterson Publishing in Los Angeles had all of the male magazines. They had Guns and Ammo. They had Car and Driver. They had Boating. They had, it was everything male-oriented. And the one magazine they had sort of clustered into this little um, enclave of male publications was teen magazine, which made no, oh, that's sense. funny. <laughs> it was, it was very, the board meetings were hysterical. Cause I'd walk into a board meeting and it was all men talking about men's things like guns and cars and boating. And so there was teen, but, um, at the time it was fun because I was creating sections and bringing in many different clients that were all, very diverse. So you learn to wear a lot of different hats. Um, it was Max Factor and it was Adidas and things of that nature. And then I I left Teen and went over um, to uh, the Shan Group and started this um, business within the Shan Group, which was working with companies like Absolute Vodka and Evian. So you start to, um, I was designing for all of them in a sense. And so design has always been kind of in my blood and the way it went from designing lipstick containers and things of that nature and magazine pages um, into home design was, at the time, one of my sections went into Architectural Digest. And I thought, this is fun. Now, I love all this beauty beauty stuff, but you know, beauty is really part of what you do with, your, with homes. And that was really my first real inkling, aside from having done a, gotten a very decent salary in the in the magazine business, I did buy my own home in Los Angeles. And I was a single woman owning a home back then. And I got to design my very first home of my own. So that was, I think, what really kind of got my my feathers ruffled about, you know, excitingly about doing home design. And yeah, I know you've got my bio there. So go ahead. <laughs> and so in terms of home design, you know, the what are what would you say the differences are between LA, where I feel like many of the design elements are right there at your fingertips, as opposed to a small community like Santa Barbara, where it's much more difficult to acquire the goods. I guess it's it's yeah. two hour drive or four hour drive because you're getting right. back. Well, you know, you end up designing from all over the world. So you know, your creative um ventures aren't just you may end up living in this town, which is where I came to move from when I raised my family to just to get out of Los Angeles. But my my palette was really um, from all over the world. So I did travel. I would go to Peru. I would travel to Paris. Like you just came back from your trip in Paris. I, I really would find interesting um, creative looks all over the world, not just here. And so that's really where I've been. That's really my toolbox. My toolbox isn't just LA, it might be New York, it might be in Peru, it might be in um, someplace else that I'm traveling in Mexico to get a, a feeling of um, more bohemian looks. So, uh, and that all gets incorporated into my purchasing. One thing that struck me while I was in Paris this last week 
is how many home goods stores there really are in just my walking around. Now, I've been to many, you know, many major metropolitan areas in the U.S., where there may be one or two, but not block after block after block, a different boutique home goods store. What do you attribute that to? In Paris in particular? Oh, a lot of creative people. I mean, look at all the creative people that began in Paris, from writers to artists. It's just part of their, their they breathe it. It's part of their culture. But even now, I mean, even when I shop now, I will spend time going into antique, sh antique shops, wherever I am, whether it's you know, here or New York, or even driving up the coast and finding uh, items at flea markets, because some of the greatest looks come from the past, you know, some of the vintage and art deco. And so I don't ever want to do a cookie cutter home. And so, and it's really what ends up happening with your clients and the relationship that you have with your clients as well. And I know one of the questions you had asked me when you had written me was, you know, how do you get along? How do you know what your clients are desiring? And do they have to have the same taste that you have when you are purchasing products or designing their homes? And it really is a collaborative relationship. Um, and I think in the sense of what I end up buying them, you know, it may be something that brings in something that's an antiquity that I found or something that they that they bring from their past and incorporate into the look of their house. So um, that was a roundabout way of answering your questions about designs in Paris, but <laughs> yeah. there, there was an old, there was an old joke when I was living uh, out in the Hamptons years ago, and that was people couples renovate their house for like two or three years, and as soon as it's over, they get divorced uh, because <laughs> they have nothing else to do. That is, that's the last bastion of their relationship is to do a house, and then they they're, they're gone. But, you know, you know Neil, certain... after Thanksgiving, you're having a lot of divorce. Yeah. <laughs> after no, no, the but show, I mean, we might have to have a session here. No, I... but well, I could always use a session. But the, the the point is, you know, people in general are nuts when it comes to you know specific things about their home. Uh, you know, you have to, I guess, in your business, align yourself to some extent with not what you want, but what they want. Well, you're you're right about that. Actually, Neil, to that conversation, I've had many clients who have done four or five homes who keep coming back to me for repeat performances, maybe so they don't get divorced. No, <laughs> no, but actually because, because doing a home is a really fun and can be a really fun project. And as you're saying, it can be very stressful as well. And in some sense you do, um, you do become partners with your, with your clients, just as I've always been partners with all of my clients in business through the years, whether it's, Again, back to like a absolute vodka, you drink a lot of vodka. No, but the people that you work with or work for really become part of a very integrated um, social system. You become part of their 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 life. And so you do um, you do ask a lot of questions. You are part designer, part business person, and part therapist, I think, at the end of the day. And hopefully as as um you had pointed out to my to my website, Diana. There's a lot of good good testimonials. Thank goodness for that of the working relationships I've had. Because you go into building a home with somebody, it isn't just something you do for a week or two weeks. It sometimes goes on for years, especially if you're building a home from from scratch. I mean, I bring in my architects, I bring in my contractors, I bring in all of my subs to do a house. It's not just putting in some furniture and a rug. It really sometimes is a two to three year relationship, especially if the city's if the city of Santa Barbara is getting involved with permitting. And um, I love you, Santa Barbara, but sometimes just putting in a driveway might take you know a year and a half to get a permit for it. So it's now in your Susan in your scope of your work. Mm -hmm. Do you work on the permitting? side of things as well? Or are you primarily on the design side of things residentially? Well, my team will work on the permitting side of things. So as an example, let's say it's a home that is a fixer up. Let's say it's a home from scratch. Um, in other words, building it from ground up. Uh, you know, it's, I don't, not going to the city, but they are. We're, I'm working with them and as well as with the clients to make sure that we're, have all the steps in place. Now, you also do commercial work as well. Tell us a little bit about that side of the business. 
Okay, well, that, that's interesting because, um, yes, yeah, so commercial work, as far as home design, we've also, well, I've been very fortunate. Could I share that now or are we out of time before the commercial? Because I'll go ahead. Okay, so, which has been wonderful. Actually, you actually, you know what? I think, I think uh, Susan's right. Let's take a break. Uh, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9, and we'll be right back. Our family has been here in over 30 years. We've always been in the hospitality business. So when we're looking for a bank to finance our deal, American Rivera actually stepped up for us. They know Santa Barbara well. Right now, we don't have any plan to open another hotel, but if we do in the future, we'll be talking to American Riviera Bank for sure. You can bank on American Riviera. We do. American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. What I know about courage, I learned from my adoptive mom. She said sometimes you just gotta hold on and know we'll get through this. Mom, we are so high up. Hold my hand. <laughs> no, you hold my hand. Here we go. <laughs> Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. I learned patience from my adoptive dad. All he had to say was, Hey, you got this. Just breathe. Hey. <laughs> We're pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Might have to start a band. <laughs> I got it. Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. <laughs> Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. This message is brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Here in California, thousands of kids are growing up without moms or dads to love or guide them. I'm Sean Anders, director of the Daddy's Home Movies. My wife and I adopted three amazing siblings, and they are the best thing that ever happened to us. We're a family now and so grateful for the day we called Kinship Center, who guided us to the kids we love so much. Contact Kinship Center to learn about the rewards of becoming an adoptive parent. Call 800-454-6744. That's 800-454-6744. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by American Riviera Bank, making your life easier with cutting-edge technology, mobile deposits, free use of every ATM machine in the country, and a level of service other banks can only dream about. And we can be reached at 805-564-1290, or you could email us at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com. So Susan, before the break, we were talking about the commercial side of um, your business, Shan Design, and tell you started to tell us a little bit about a hotel up in Pismo Beach. Yeah. Share with us about okay. it. Okay, well, it's it's set to debut in 2024. It's an exquisite, uh, a boutique hotel. That what I'm going to brag a little bit about this because my daughter Ryan, who is highly design oriented, has joined my company. She. She started her art launch with the Soho House in Melrose. She art curated there. She art curated the Kiyama Buckhorn Hotel. And she's her specialty is really in, uh, she's just um, operational scaling of startups. But um, she came from, she was CEO of Benny. And then she was one of the early team members at Honey, which, as you know, was acquired by PayPal in 2019, like the largest acquisition in LA's tech history. But I'm so lucky to now have her join me because all of that multifaceted expertise that extends beyond design and, you know, can really make my companies fly right now. She's part of and Pismo Beach Hotel is really what she's bringing to the table. This is going to be really, really it's a fun project because, again, it is, you know, this is, again, um, commercial um, as was Barbarino restaurant in Santa Barbara that you probably all know and love to eat at as office buildings that we've done as well are commercial. The, um, the excitement of this is that it's a whole new feeling from a house. You're not really designing for a person per se. You're designing for many people for a hotel. It's a look for people that are coming from out of town and what does each room look like? And there's 20 rooms in this particular hotel. So stay tuned again for 2024. But um, 
It's it's so an experience. Do you like more? Do you like the people aspect or do you like the the entity? Well, that's a good question. They're both people, right? Yeah, they the are entity, both people. But... It's a good question. Well, there's there's an end result. The people that are coming into a restaurant, you don't know who they are necessarily until I mean, you 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 brand it and you make it look a certain way and feel a certain way and comfortable. The same thing for a hotel. The same thing for an office space, in a sense. But personally, and and I, I like them both. I love them both because I wouldn't be in this business if I didn't love what I do. But I um, have fallen in love with so many of my clients. They've become friends because, again, as I was saying, it's really in this process of, of an integrated relationship that's so specific. It's your home. It's so personal. Uh, these other projects are fun because they're commercial and they're exciting and they're big and they're wonderful opportunities. And you don't, you know, at the end of the day, it's all the same goal. You just want to make people comfortable and happy when they walk in the door. So same goal at the end, but a different feeling. So when so you look at the design with design issue, it doesn't matter where you do it, but how about with construction? How are you dealing with professionals uh, in, uh, in working in Pismo, which is a hundred miles away? Well, I love my contractors everywhere, Neil. You know that. <laughs> you know, it's all the same, really. Um, there are systems set up that make it very easy to be able to work with people long distance. You know, I did a home in Sun Valley during COVID, you know, with contractors. You'd think that would have been absolutely impossible. You couldn't, you know, you couldn't meet them in person. It was all um, you know, how you had to work online, but it were it came out beautifully. So you just um everybody makes makes it happen it's just uh it's easier than you would think so let's switch gears for a moment because you also were formerly the ceo of tess which was a skincare line that you had sold to sephora mm -hmm. tell us about that experience and what you were able to take from that experience that you you use on a daily basis designing for others Okay. Well, do I, I sound like a cat with many lives, but <laughs> Hey, we all are right. Or the, yeah. Or the coat of many colors. But, um, I think, so the reason Tess began, and it was actually why I was also designing homes at the time, but my daughter had turned 13 and all of her friends were putting on tons of makeup to cover their skin problems at the time. And so I couldn't bear it anymore. And I spent a lot of time researching, um, how can I find her something for her skin that she won't want to cover up? How can I get her to wear sunscreen so she won't get skin cancers like, you know, like all of California is, you know, I had many of those. And so um, I couldn't find any product that gave me what I wanted for teenagers. So I actually started to research uh, chemists and scientists and tried to make a natural line, which I did of skincare for teens in a step-by-step -step process. So and nobody was doing it at the time. It was, you know, how do you put, a, how do you put, um, how do you teach a, a teenager how to wash their skin, protect their skin? And then and this isn't just makeup. It was actual skincare. So I, um, it ended up, I designed the packaging, which was super fun. Again, back to design again, and the colors and the coordinates and all of that, and the size of the bags and the packaging, and then taking it to Sephora and up in San Francisco, the corporate office, and they loved it and said, how soon can we get so many packages? How can we get this in all the stores across the country? And how can we get you on an airplane to fly to everyone? Because part of what our representatives have to do when they sell us product is they have to go into the stores and they have to teach all of, they called them, they didn't call them staff. They had a name and I'm forgetting what it was. I think back they're then. stylists or something. Yeah, like something that. like that. Stylist. You have to teach them why your product over others. But Sephora took a gamble on us because teen products were not their biggest product at the time. Their biggest product is really the sweet spot are the 30-year-olds or the 40-year-olds, and they make their most money at Sephora on skincare. They don't make it on teen skincare because teens don't have the, per you know, the, the purchasing power to come in and buy a product, you know, we do as, you know, as some a woman over 30, but teenagers generally don't. But they they took us in and they ended up putting us in, I, you know, they had, a, I think, 200 stores across the country. They put us in a, quite a few, including Times Square, and they, we had billboards. I mean, it was, it was quite a trip. Tests did very, very well. We were, we had an exclusive with Sephora. They didn't buy us. We had an exclusive with them where we could not sell to anybody else for them for a year, but them for a year, and that was a difficult time because 
we had people coming in from Ulta and all the other large corporations saying, we want you in our, in our shops. And I said, I can't sell to you. So what I learned from that may have been, that may not have been the best move because uh, if we had gone into many instead of one, because what happened in 2009, when the market crashed, um, the first thing that Sephora dropped was their lowest hanging fruit, which was Tess, because it was a teen line. It wasn't going to be the, their big moneymaker. And that really kind of threw us into a tailspin. So we sold at that time, 2009, I sold Tess to an organization out of Texas, which was one of our um, vendors. And, you know, they ended up buying Tess from us. Did they take it and take it out like they were going to take it to some of the brands across the country? They didn't. So that was kind of a heartbreak for for me at the time. It was one of those things that was sort of a love a love project because it had a lot of charitable arms to it. It had a lot of, you know, it had a lot of personal because it was for my daughter and for, you know, we used all of her teen friends in all of our advertisements. It was we were in every magazine editorially from Teen Vogue to 17 to you name it. We got so much press, but that was um that was a heartbreak, that one. I was sorry about that. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9, and we'll be right back. It's a fact. Successful wealth management is built on strategies that focus on the big picture, take a long-term view, and establish deep and valued relationships. Hello, I'm Diane Duva, founding partner at Arlington Financial Advisors, Santa Barbara's trusted family guide, empowering you to make more informed and confident decisions. At Arlington Financial Advisors, we bring order and balance to your financial life by monitoring and managing risk so you can focus on your work, family, and enjoying the moment. We are a fully independent firm offering strategic financial planning, estate and tax planning, and private money management. Our plans and portfolios are handcrafted using a rigorous and disciplined approach, supported by a consistent yet highly personalized client experience. Our clients look to Arlington Financial Advisors as a home away from home, a comfortable place to protect what they've accomplished while they prepare for what comes next. Please visit ArlingtonFinancialAdvisors.com or call me, Diane Duva, at 805-699-7300. The organization known as Downtown Santa Barbara promotes the Santa Barbara Downtown District for the benefit of its members, Santa Barbara residents, and visitors. Here's Robin Elander. First of all, come downtown and just check things out. Meander through the Paseos, explore businesses. We have 1,700 businesses in our downtown corridor. So if you think you've seen downtown, you really haven't seen a lot of the new stuff. There's a lot of different things to explore. But if you want to dive a little deeper and get involved, we have all kinds of committees and volunteer opportunities. Yeah, you can check out our website at downtownsb.org. You can find my email on there, but I'm robin at downtownsb.org. And that's the best way to follow us. Also, get on our Instagram at downtown at downtown Santa Barbara. To learn more about downtown Santa Barbara, to check out the events calendar, and to become a member, go to downtownsb.org or call 805-962-2098. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisor, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. And we can be reached at 805-564-1290, or you could email us at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com. So Susan, um, you know, before the break, we were ta- we were talking a lot about, about tests and the the teen market. And do you feel like that's changed? I feel like a lot of the disposable income of today has gone to the teen hands and that market may have shifted from, you know, teens driving a lot of the sales of beauty care products. And, you know, you have lines like Brandy Melville on clothing, Forever 21. You know, I look up and down Volcom, I look up and down State Street and that's pretty much all I see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Well, teens are definitely have always driven fashion, I think. Um, and that's why I loved my original work early, early on with Teen Magazine, because it was so fresh. And then as we age, we all actually, you know, try to emulate the teen market because they seem to have their, their, their finger on the pulse of what's going to be happening. So I think you're right about that, Diane. I think that as far as disposable incomes go, I don't know, you know, unless they're working hard and they're babysitting and where they're getting their funds from, or they come from wealthier families and they have an allowance, I still think that there's still that um, there that discrepancy in who has the most money to spend on products and and um, and and the, and and whatnot. But um, yeah, I do think that the teens definitely have a great eye and vision on um, on the future of our fashion and cosmetics and and all all such, but not homes, not home purchasing. <laughs> yeah, not home purchases. That doesn't help me now. <laughs> Back to home design. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned that you did a project in Sun Valley, that you have projects in Pismo Beach. Mm-hmm. I look on your website, you have projects in Ojai, Santa Barbara, LA. Do you have geographical boundaries or are you all over the place? Could you do a project in Peru? I could do a project in Peru. Um, you know, it's that that's interesting. I have done projects all over the country, and I have not yet done an international project. Uh, I think that would make it a little bit more difficult. But of course, now that I've got Ryan on board, she can do the flying, and I can sit back and monitor it from here <laughs> in case I get lazy. <laughs> but um, yeah, so uh, I have enjoyed my projects long distance, especially the ones that I can drive to. Sun Valley was different. It was during COVID. It was at a time that was, um, it, it came out beautifully, but it was, it had a few more challenges for measurements and things of that nature. I do like a two hour drive and I've got quite a few projects in LA right now. Um, and I do like the drives up North. I, I've done um, San Inez, a beautiful, beautiful um, estate up there with horses and just driving, crossing, not that Santa Barbara is not the most beautiful place on heaven, which it absolutely is, but driving North about an hour, you come into the country of wine and horses and you're driving into these properties that are just beautiful. And you do get that, you know, those moments to breathe, even going to Ojai was always one of my favorite times because I would go over the 154. Is it 154? Yeah, that's the one, right? Which is the one that takes you over? No, 154 goes to San oh. Inez. I think it's the, is it the, is that? I, I forget nope. what it is. The 33 is coming from. Yeah, something, I think that's it. But it's such a beautiful transition from being what I call the city of Santa Barbara. And then there's LA. You drive to LA. And that's a whole different quagmire. You get down there and then you're in intense traffic. So you've got to build yourself up for those kinds of projects, depending upon where they are. Well, how do you deal with, how do you deal with, with, how do you deal with architects? Um, You're not an architect. So when there's something that needs to be signed, do you just find someone to sign it? Or do you collaborate, collaborate with them in terms of letting them do some of the design work? So with architects, it's this is it's really a collaboration, Neil. So you you sit with them from the very beginning. We first meet with the clients and the architect. What are their wishes and dreams? What is their look? Is it contemporary? Is it you know? Is it farmhouse? Is you know what is the general feeling of what they envision their house to be like? What does the land ask for? You know, you really have to spend some time on the actual land itself if you're building something from the ground up and get a feeling for what we think it needs, and then. You know, I generally start with usually sometimes, they, you know, a client will bring come to me with an architect and sometimes they will come to me and I will then have various architects that I love to work with. And then and, and then and we will collaborate on that. But the architectural plans are something that, you know, how many square feet is this home going to be? Is it, you know, is it a 10,000 square foot home? Is it a 5,000 square foot home? Is it an ADU? We talked about ADUs earlier when you had your conversation on your financial news before I came on. And I was saying to you in our break, how important now people are now building just ADUs onto their property. I just recently on hot springs close to your home, Neil, um, did a home that's been there for a while. And they had a separate little lot down below as part of their property. And we built this beautiful little farmhouse ADU that's being rented out now. It's gorgeous. And that was built from scratch just on land. Well, one thing that I noticed um, that really has stuck out 
at, to me from all the photos of the homes that you've done is how you've really brought the outside in as an element of the home. There, there, you don't have a lot of heavy window treatments where you can't see the outside. You're almost bringing the outside in. And I think that is, you know, such a wonderful use of the beauty that surrounds these gorgeous homes that you've been a part of. Oh, thank you, Diane. You know what? You you bring that up, and that's actually one of our um, placeholders. It's sort of it's what we stand for. So, Shan Design. First thing I always ask a client, by the way, when they hire me, and I think we're running out of time, and I'll I'll break, and I could I could talk about it afterwards. But um, is how they, you know, what do they want? What are they envisioning their home to look like? And then please go look at my website. I say to them because if you don't jive with what I do if, you know, I'm not your jam, so to speak, then, you know, keep looking because it's very important that they love the work that I've done. And when they do, um, that's when I'm hired and that's when I can begin to do my work most creatively. And the best client is one that gives me that freedom. Those are the best clients because they trust me. And the outside in that you bring up is all is what we do for almost every home. I make sure somehow I bring the beauty of what's outside inside as well with big doors and windows, open areas, light floors, you know, something that kind of doesn't conflict with the outside because it's really about living outside, especially in California. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9 and we'll be right back with our final segment. American Riviera Bank is actually really good offering the loan to small businesses. The customer service that Renee gave, it was amazing. She actually gave us step by step. She helped me with every single step on the paperwork. She was great. We found a great bank and now we have a great coffee shop. You can bank on American Riviera. We do. American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. I want to thank my mommy for loving me so much, for taking me out to the park, for reading me books, for taking, taking me to the doctor when I broke my foot in ballet rehearsal, for leaving me alone when I wanted to be alone. And, and now, now, as a grown-up, I'm thankful for being able to take care of you, my dear mom, for having the chance to take you to the park, for reading you those books we enjoy so much, for being able to take you to your therapies after you twisted your ankle. For understanding that sometimes you simply want to be alone. Roles change without us noticing. And in your new role, we help you help. Visit aarp.org caregiving to get practical health and wellness tips to provide even better care for your loved one. Remember, visit aarp.org caregiving. AARP, we help you help. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. The first school to provide training for women doctors in the nation opened this month in 1848, the Boston Female Medical School. At the time, it had a faculty of two and 12 students. Today, nearly 56% of all college students are female, and most current enrolled medical students are women. Of the 1,042,000 active physicians in the U.S., 660,000 are men and 381,000 women. Profile America is a public service of the U.S. Census Bureau. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by American Riviera Bank, making your life easier with cutting-edge technology, mobile deposits for use of every ATM machine in the country, and a level of service other banks can only dream about. So, Susan, your business has so many different facets, from design to working with architects to helping people, you know, from the ground up. What is your business model? So, in other words, you know, how do you how do you charge clients, and how do you work with vendors? Okay, so um, okay, so how I work with clients is basically an hourly rate for my time and energy and design um, background, and then there's usually a percentage on products themselves, but they're not paying more than retail. I get it because I have a license because I've doing been doing this for quite some time. I might get certain discounts with some of my vendors across country that allow me to be able to sometimes pass even a better savings on to my clients as well but be able to um, make a living on that in that area as well. So, 
And so do, when you work with architects, is it just a straight hourly fee? So if someone were building a home and wanted your your design expertise, would they pay their architect fee and then your design fee that, on top yes, of that? That's correct. Yes. Architecture is totally separate as our contractors. They have their own, you know, we all come in as a team at some point and then we break apart and then the billing for architecture and plans and all of that goes through the architectural firm. The cost for actual building of the of the, the house itself goes through the contractor, um, and then there's myself and my team. But generally, um, they're they're all separate. And um, but but uh, the clients are kept up to up to on, on everything. In other words, we sit down, we have our weekly production meetings, and some jobs don't even incorporate an architect. There's many jobs where somebody will call me and say, "I need I need to freshen this house up. I've lived in it for thirty years." In fact, I'm doing one in Los Angeles right now. What a beautiful house this is. It's a 1920s Spanish home. And the clients have lived in this home for 35 years. It's got the most amazing bones. They're art collectors. So the work they have on their walls are beautiful, but they haven't touched the bones of the house in 30 years. And so I've been in there and, and that's my latest challenge, but I'm so excited about it because it's going to give me the opportunity. It won't include, it won't, I won't even need an architect for this. I, I will literally go in there and spend time, which I've already begun doing a, you know, you, you come in, you do a scope of work, you walk from room to room with the clients and they want you to be as honest as possible. That's very, that's very scary when you put me in a room because I could get a little OC, <laughs> I get a little OCD on that and say, well, you need to do this, this, that. but that's all within a budget. We, you know, they'll say, here's how much money we want to spend, or how much do you think this will cost us to freshen this house up? Basically, this home needs a facelift. It hasn't been touched. We know that we're getting older. We, we don't want to feel older. We want to feel young and we want to, we want it freshened up. And so that will be something that I'll do entirely by myself. So um, when, when, when you have a client um, and they envision, they kind of envision uh, a, a result and it's not, it's, it's not coming out the way they wanted it. Um, how do you do, are you flexible enough to say, well, okay, let's, let's sort of regroup. Yeah, that's, that's never happened, Neil. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, actually, yes. So the client's never surprised by what I do. It's the, my team. I should keep saying my team. There's no, there's no me and we, um, it, it's really a team effort, but the client's never surprised. They see everything from the beginning. Here's the vision that we have at Shan Design. Here's the mood board. Here's what it looks like. What do you like? What don't you like? There's There are never any surprises. We're not bringing in furniture that they're going to hate. They've seen everything. They've signed off on it. There's docu-signs. It's all done just like any business is done, really professionally down to the bottom line of, um, you know, here, we're going to order this for you now. Here's how much it costs. Are you okay? You can't be returned. We're, we're running out of time in the final 30 seconds. Can you tell us how, if someone is listening, is interested in your services, how to get in touch with you? Oh, yeah. Just go to, well, first go to www.shandesign.com and then Susan at Shan Design, two Ds, doc, Susan at Shandesign.com. Write me a note. I'd love to, um, I'd love to answer any questions you might have. Take a look at your house. Give well, thank you so much, Susan Sand, Susan Shan, principal of Shan Design. Thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you for making Santa Barbara more beautiful. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Money Talk, and we'll see you all next week.